The church today in America is at a crossroads because I believe the church today has gotten away from thus saith the Lord and is compromised in order to please society. And uh, in our scripture in Matthew chapter 10, uh, we read this. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Now back in verse 32, we see the word confess. Whosoever therefore shall confess me. That word confess literally means to declare openly, to profess the one I worship. Here again, folks, get you a good Bible concordance or dictionary and start looking words up. This word confess means a little bit different than what we would just think of. It's deeper than that. And uh, Greek and Hebrew translated into English, they just did not sometimes find the right word. One word has to match 10 words in the Hebrew uh, or, or the Greek. And so if you'll get a good Bible dictionary concordance, it'll help you really understand what God is saying uh, in the scriptures. If you don't understand what a word means, look it up. Now, I happen to look this up in the message. And here's what it says in the message. Stand up for me against world opinion, and I'll stand up for you before my Father in heaven. If you turn tail and run, do you think that I'll cover for you? I like the way he... I like his imagination here, all right? And then he goes on to say, don't think that I've come to make life cozy. I've come to cut. There's an opinion, even in the church today, that the reason Jesus came was to make life better for us. My Bible tells me that when you come to Christ, Life doesn't become better. In fact, my Bible says once you come to Christ, opposition is going to stand up against you. All right. Now, well, what's the sense in getting saved then, preacher? Uh, I'm going to die. And I'm going to go to either heaven or hell when I die. And I have the opportunity to make that choice now. If I don't make it now, I have made the choice. Okay. Now, we are looking at the true church versus the false church, the church at the crossroad. Last week, we looked at the fact that the confessing church, Christ is our culture. Now, for fear of angering folks, I ask people all the time for suggestions on how to grow the church. And I've been told several things. Number one, I've been told, preacher, if we get a rock band, that will do it. 
I've been told, preacher, maybe if you just back off a little bit on the hard stuff. Right? But people don't tell me just preach more of the word and they'll come. And that should be the draw, ladies and gentlemen. The draw should be the word. If we can't draw people in through the word, then what good is it to draw people in if we're not having the word? The compromising churches accommodates Christ to the culture. <laughs> I was watching some news, a particular lady in the House of Representatives. I won't tell you her name. I'll just tell you her initials for Nancy Pelosi. Said if Christ was here, he would embrace the transgender community. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. I coughed and I wanted to throw up. Because Christ would not embrace that lifestyle. You say, well, the woman taking an adultery preacher. Okay, what did he tell her to do? Go and sin no more. Did he reach out to her? Did he tell her the truth? Did the truth transform her? And his answer to her then was, go and sin no more. We live in a culture that thinks that God is all right with our sin. God is not all right with my sin. In fact, he's so unright with it that he died for it. They give me victory over it. We looked at the fact that the church of truth versus the church of error, the confessing church holds fast to the word of God in spite of opposition. The compromising church alters the word of God because of opposition. I'll give you an example. Um, there are pastors today, because of the evolutional theory being taught in uh, society, they are trying to take evolution into Revelations chapter 1 and explain how God started it, but he allowed it to go at its own pace. And they'll say, well, you know, we understand one day could be a thousand years. God didn't tell us how long a day was. They're not reading the same Bible I'm reading. God was very specific about how long the day was. It was an evening and a morning. And those of you who know anything about history, the Jewish calendar goes from night to night. We go from morning to morning. All right? So um, around 6 or 7 o'clock tonight begins Monday in the Jewish calendar. And we're still in Sunday. And our Monday doesn't start until 12.01. Uh, for some of us, it starts quite a bit later than that. All right. And uh, now, 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 Harry, that was not kind of you. He pointed at you, Stanley. So we'll get him. I'll get him before we're done. All right. Don't you worry. You'll get him later. All right. We looked at the heavenly minded church versus the worldly minded church. The confessing church puts the kingdom of God above their culture. The compromising church puts their culture before the kingdom of God. Preacher, just bring that culture into the church. It'll be fine. Really? 
Why have the why have the church if the church has to conform to the culture in order to attract people to the church? Haven't they already won? Come on. Haven't they already attracted me to them? What am I attracting them to? I'm supposed to be attracting them to Christ and to the Word of God. The changing methods versus the compromising methods. The church, the confessing church, can alter the methods of the preaching. The screens are an example of that. I remember years and years we didn't have any of this stuff. All right, when it came out, um, we're doing a podcast now. Uh, Tim, we didn't have a podcast until recently. So my message is going out on podcasts now. All right? Uh, so our methods of, of, of getting the message out can change, but the message better never change. But the message is changing all across the country today. And so now we're going to get where we left off, the remnant versus the mainstream. The remnant versus the mainstream. The confessing church is a remnant in the minority of church and state or government. We have a strong believing lieutenant governor in the state of North Carolina who lives his faith, and he is being absolutely crucified by the media and even some pastors for being outwardly bold about his faith. See, he's in the remnant. Most of our government officials are just the opposite of that. And we ought to thank God, by the way, for every solid believer who is in government who is trying to bring this country back to a point of honoring God. The compromising church wants to be in the mainstream. They want to go in with the flow. They want to be loved, liked, appreciated, patted on the back, seen, doing all these good things. Uh, and by the way, look around Wilmington. How often do you see any church doing good things? How involved are they in the community? And if they are involved in the community, listen, <laughs> I'm digging a hole. Somebody pull me out of the hole when it's ready, okay? But there are churches all across America flying the rainbow flag and honoring Pride Month. Yesterday, they had a pride parade. The protesters were arrested and charged with maybe going to cause a riot. Now, I don't know if you notice what's going on with our Supreme Court justices or not, but we were told yesterday, oh, they have a right to protest. Those who protest against ungodliness are being arrested. Those protesting against godliness, and I don't care what you think, overturning Roe v. Wade is a godly thing to do. Saves the lives of babies. Protest the godliness, and you're praised for it. 
And we have churches today, we have a pastor in Atlanta who says abortion is God's gift to women. We ought to embrace it. His church runs into thousands. The church is at a crossroads. And unfortunately, I believe the church has taken a wrong turn. They should have went straight and they turned left. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 20. Enter ye at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Oprah Winry said, there's many ways to God. My Bible doesn't say that. My Bible says there's one way to God. Pope Francis says all the religions worship the same God. My Bible doesn't say that. But yet there are, there are pastors, one in Texas who said, oh, I, don't, I can't tell you Muslims aren't going to heaven. That's up to God when they, uh, it's not up to me. Oh, I can tell you they're not. Because I read my Bible. And I can tell you a lot of Baptists aren't. But you see, this pastor runs fifteen to 20,000 on a Sunday. But he can't even define there's only one way to heaven. But yet people are flocking. And he looks so good when he tells his stories. God loves you, Harry. And he doesn't even care what you do. You're one of his children. Oh, aren't you? Listen, he wants you to have all these good things. I don't read that in the Bible. And if your Bible says that, maybe you ought to burn the one you got and get the real one. Verse 15, <laughs> beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're way raving wolves. When, when Terry told me, preacher, we got Nikita Koloff coming. Man, my first reaction, and I didn't express this to him, was we got who doing what? I mean, this guy's a, a, a wrestler, and his reputation was not a good one. So I had to go look him up, and I began to listen to the things he was saying. And I said to myself, self, this guy's spot on. He is not afraid to approach people with the truth. His life has been transformed. You know, one thing I liked about Nikita, he shared his testimony, but he didn't dwell on what was. He dwelt on what is. And everybody in here has a past. And it's all right to share that past, but get off of it. Get into the present. Let people know this is what God is doing with me, for me, and to me. Because I, I'm going to tell you, ladies, every time... You tell me somebody, I, I looked up the last speaker, I looked up this speaker, I want to hear what they've got to say. I want to make sure we don't have a wolf coming in. 
because it's very easy. We've had a wolf or two come in and stand in this pulpit. I stopped the guy one day, and I know Pastor Randy stopped the guy one day and said, whoop, stop. Not a popular thing to do, but it was the right thing to do. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistle? So every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Ever hear the term preacher, we shouldn't judge. Come on, how many of you hear that? And Jesus says, we're not to judge our brother. But he also says, you might want to look at some of the fruit. You might want to know if they're really my servant or not, and you can tell by watching what they're producing. Are they producing godliness or worldliness? Are they promoting holiness or worldly lifestyle? See, fruit. And I think that God tells us this as a way for us to watch out for that wolf. It will be manifest. It will make itself known. The persecuted church versus the praised church. The confessing church is penalized by society, or I, I put state government, but by society. The compromising church is applauded by society. Why is it people will brag on churches that are not scriptural? And those same people will tear down the church that is. What is it? I have a habit of asking people why they go to certain churches. And let me tell you what the number one answer is. Preacher, <laughs> we go to church, man, it's like being at a rock concert. It is, it is so awesome. We just, man, when the band strikes up, we just, we get into it. Now, I've been to some of those churches to check them out. And here's what I found about their praise and worship. The people aren't singing. The people are dancing. But the only ones singing are the ones on the stage. I don't want a worship service where you're not participating. I'm listening. I picked up the CDs yesterday. I'm listening to the one right now on Be a Participant. Or a spectator? Are you a participant or a spectator? Worship is not a spectator sport. It takes action. It takes you being involved. And I, I'll say it again. If the only time you ever worship God, quote, is during worship time here at church, you're not worshiping God. Worship is a lifestyle. It's not a temporary fix. Worship is not to make you feel good. Worship is to empty yourself. Worship empties you so he can fill you up. 
And how often during our worship do we ask God to empty us and fill us with him? Revelation 2, verse 8 through 11. Under the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of these which feel, fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Y'all see that? Anybody doesn't see that? That does not fit modern day theology. And here's what he said. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. By the way, you notice he didn't say the government will do that. He said the devil will. The devil's in control of everything outside of the realm of the true church. Understand that. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Let me tell you why so many Christians fall by the wayside. Because they, and I'm using a word in quotes, okay? But they came to Christ believing that coming to Christ fixes all their problems. And everything would be a smooth... Listen, I want to contend something to you. A person who, quote, got saved because they were told that God would fix everything, probably never really got saved. Coming to Christ because he'll fix everything is not coming to the Christ that the Bible teaches. We come to Christ not to fix everything. We come to him because we're a wretched sinner and we can't save ourselves and eternity is forever. And we need to be saved from what is to come. Now, when I got saved, I did not get saved from my flesh. My flesh still irritates me. It still is a problem. But I got saved. Everything should be fine. God's not con- God is not concerned about how good my body feels. He's concerned about my eternal destiny. And he's concerned with how I react when my body does not feel so good. But yet we're being... It's being portrayed in, 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 in so many churches that if you'll come to Jesus, come to Jesus and everything will be great. He'll prosper you. He'll make you wealthy. He'll take all your illness and sickness away. You just, well, who wouldn't want that? But tell somebody they're a sinner and their sins condemned them to hell. And without repentance and faith in Christ, they'll die and go to hell. You get a different reaction. One of them's true, one of them's not. 
The faithful church versus the conforming church. The confessing church or the faithful church prophetically speaks truth to those in power. I got to say this. I love Franklin Graham. Franklin Graham was not afraid to go up to the one in power and say, hey, listen, bub, <laughs> you're going to die and go to hell. If you don't get saved, if you don't get born again, I don't care how powerful you are, you're going to die and go to hell. A preacher, he shouldn't disrespect the, our leaders that way. That's not disrespect, and that's showing love for them. We're told, I, I am told I don't love gay people. Well, well, let me ask you a question. What's loving them more? Telling them the truth or saying, oh, God's okay with that? Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But we've got this idea that if we love somebody, we're going to accept everything that's going on in their life. I love my children, but I haven't always accepted everything they're doing. And if my kids weren't perfect like you were, okay, I know you're perfect. Every once in a while, I had to correct them. Well, you must hate your kids to not let them do whatever they want to do. You know, my kids knew better than to misbehave in church. It only took a look to straighten them up. They knew what the look meant. And I didn't say, well, hey, you know, it's okay. You go ahead and misbehave. It doesn't matter. Supposing they take that same attitude into the work world. You see, if I love somebody, I'm going to speak truth to them. Now I'm going to do it lovingly. I'm not going to say to the homosexual guy, I'm better than you because I'm straight. No, I'm going to share with them I'm a sinner too. And Christ died for my sin and his sin. And the only way to, to have that penalty removed is through faith in Jesus Christ. And what does Christ say? Go and sin no more. God is, God is not satisfied with man desiring to live in sin. The compromising church conforms. Conforms. Acts chapter 5, verses 21, 27 through 31 and 40 through 42. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in his name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. I'm told, preacher, we, we need to do what the government tells us to do because God says to obey the authority. Well, he does unless they contradict his word. When they contradict him, I'm to stand with him against them. But the philosophy today is, well, 
You know, if we can't help what they tell us to do, we just have to do it. What are they going to do when they say, you got to have this mark on your head? Oh, by the way, they'll take it. Because they'll still be here. Do you get to drift on that? Men, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, come on Sunday morning at uh, 9.30, and Pastor Randy is covering that right now in Sunday school. True believers won't take the mark. First of all, the true church will already been taken out. And secondly, most folks who come to Christ during the tribulation are going to be killed when they come to Christ. But there's going to be that remnant that, that lives through it that will not take the mark. We think we have it tough. Can you imagine what the saints who are saved during that time are going to endure? Folks, we're only seeing the beginning. And we already see the great compromise within the church. Verse 40, and to him they agreed. When they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to have a big band and compromise truth. And they continue to tell folks, whatever you do is fine with me. Not what my book says, is it? They cease not to teach and preach Jesus Jesus, God is not a problem to the lost man. You can talk about God all you want to. But when you bring Jesus into the picture, because see, the lost man, God is whatever. But when you bring Jesus into the picture, they don't like that. They don't like that. And you try to convince them that Jesus and God are one and the same? They really don't like that. And churches all across this country today have quit preaching Christ. And they're preaching a false one. The sound church versus the seeker-friendly church. The confessing church desires the praise of God. The compromising church desires the praise of men. Church, who are we trying to please? Who are we trying to please? Are we trying to please man? Do we want patted on the back? Do you want the news media coming out on every other Monday and praising us because we're feeding the poor? Or do we want God to be pleased with what we're doing? By the way, part of that, I believe, is feeding the poor. But we better have the attitude that Jesus would have when he did it. 
I don't know if you noticed, everything Jesus did was to do one thing, and that's point people to the Father. Everything we do, I don't care what it is, should be built to point people to Christ. I charge you therefore before God, this is Paul writing to Timothy, in the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. What is the word? The Bible. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Sometimes preaching's popular and sometimes it's not. But you see, the man of God is to be consistent no matter what is going on out here. No compromise allowed. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Now we see a two to one ratio here if you just look at it. But I challenge you to get a good concordance and look up the word exhort. We think, well, that means to encourage everybody. You know what that word actually means? It means to proclaim with authority to come out and be dogmatic about correction and don't be timid. I shouldn't come into the church and say, now church, I wish we wouldn't do that. It's just not, but, but you know what? Whatever, whatever makes you feel good, oh, I, I understand. No. Church, straighten up. We've got sin in the camp. It needs to be dealt with. That's what Paul is saying here. We don't need to be timid as men of God about bringing forth the word straightforward. And I shouldn't have, by the way, if I have to apologize for God's word, I'm in trouble. You know what I found out? If I try to apologize for God's word, it's usually an area that's in my own life that I'm struggling with, and I'm trying to justify my own sin. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. What's sound doctrine again? The word of God. But after their own lust, man, we heard that word several times just today, shall they keep to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ear from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. A lot of fables being taught in church today. You see, the Bible says, uh, be ye separate, saith the Lord. It says, come out from among them and touch not the unclean thing. Now, now church, I, I've, I've already dug myself a hole. I'm going to dig it deeper. All right? Just give me a straw to breathe through it, okay? But why does the church have to invite the devil into their service in order to, quote, have a good worship time? Come on. Why do we have to let the world set the dress standard? Well, preacher, I'd look, I'd look crazy if I didn't dress that way. 
Well, look crazy. Who are you trying to please? <laughs> Y'all know I'm colorblind. I think I have black slacks on in a off-white shirt and black shoes. But I almost put blue shoes on this morning. That wouldn't have quite matched my outfit. But you know what? If I had blue shoes on this morning, I don't think anybody here would have cared. First of all, most of the men probably wouldn't have known it anyway. And secondly, most of the women wouldn't have spoke up anyway. By the way, ladies, can I tell you there's only one lady's opinion in here that matters to me? So if you want to get me to change something, see her, right? And then after she puts you in your place, then she'll do whatever needs to be done. Uh, that's a joke. You can laugh, okay? Look at verse 5. But watch thou on all things, endure afflictions. What does that tell me? I'm going to have afflictions. I'm to endure them. That also tells me these afflictions won't be easy. Takes endurance. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now, Paul says, I am now ready to be offered. For the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Pastor Randy and I talk a lot, and, 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 and he'll testify to this, I think, if I asked him to. But I, I often say to him, I don't know why God spared me when so many other good men he's taken to heaven. And basically, the answer is always the same. <laughs> You're not finished yet. Your course has not been run yet. There's still part of the race you still have to go. And when you get to the end finish line, God will take you home. Now, you see, I have not finished my course yet, nor have you. So we need to run well. And Paul says, I fought. You see that? I fought. That means it's not easy. It's hard to go against the grain. Y'all know I like sports, right? By the way, just let's so you know, Tampa Bay going to the Fanny Cup for the third straight year. Um, yeah, who? Uh-huh. It's in, it's in here somewhere. I know it's in here somewhere. But you ever try, if you go to a place where there's a big crowd, maybe a concert or a ball game or something, you ever try walking the opposite direction of what everybody else is going when they're coming in or going out? Can I tell you that's exactly what the Christian walk is? It's going that way when everybody else is going that way. And in the process of us going the opposite direction, our goal is to be able to stop at least some of them. I can't stop them all. But I can stop some of them. I can be in the way of some of them. I can't get in the way of the whole crowd. 
But I can get in the way of a few of them. Can you imagine if all of us just made up our minds this week, we're going to get in, in the way of a couple of them anyway? The difference we could make collectively in the lives of people. So he says, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. You know why more of us aren't looking for the coming of Christ? Life is too easy. We were talking uh, earlier. I put $70, $75 worth of gas in my car on Thursday. I put another 50 in it yesterday. So from Thursday to Sunday, it's $125 worth of gas. Miranda and I were talking. There are people here today. There is no way you could do that. You could not do that. There are people not able to even get to work right now because they just don't have the money to put the gas in the car. I believe that we've had it easy. But I believe it's fixing to get tough. We all look for the next elect boy. I'm, I'm going to tell you, preacher, I can't wait till 2022 because we're going to change Congress and make a difference. That won't make a difference. Not at all. We need to change the pulpits, ladies and gentlemen. We need to change the church. The church needs to turn the light back on. And we need to become salt and light. I love guys, I don't know if you picked up on him yesterday on the salt and the light part. We're not here to make things smooth. We're here to shine the light. Today's American church has gone after the praise of man and wandered far from the God of the Bible. I want you to think with me for a moment of Great Britain. The great Spurgeon Tabernacle. Spurgeon would preach in that pulpit and it would be people just hanging everywhere to get in to hear him. And every time he preached, there were several hundred men underneath the pulpit in the basement praying for the power of God to fall. Men, did you get what I just said? That church today is nothing more than a museum. Britain used to be the powerhouse for Christianity in the world. And now the churches are closing rapidly. Well, preacher, that's great Britain. Bless God, we live in America. Have you been looking what's going on? Do you know they say that 50% of people who were attending churches before COVID had not gone back? Have not gone back. What are they doing? Where are they at? See, we've wandered far from the God of the Bible. And we'll read John 12 again. 
Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, because of the leaders, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Don't go around looking for men to pat you on the back, church. Go around pleasing him. I'm going to close with this verse of Scripture. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. That word perdition means destroyer. The son of the destroyer. Anybody know who the destroyer is? Satan. You see, Satan wants to imitate everything God did. Did God send his son? Satan's going to send his. And the sad thing is, more people are going to follow Satan's son than follow God's son. And the closer we get to the end time, the more prevalent that's going to become. And I say to you, church, look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. 